and welcome to Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast on the Export Audio Network. I am your co-host, Neve, and I'm joined by your other co-host, Connor. Hey. And also joined by special guest star, Autumn Blake. That's me. Um, and we're, we're doing a question bucket today for Utena. And I... I kind of, like, maybe we'll bring it back if we really want to, or if there's, like, something big that we want to talk about. But I think we're kind of just jettisoning the the bringing other stuff to question buckets things. Um, For two reasons. One, that we're just getting more questions from people now than we did at the beginning. And I don't want to record for five hours tonight. Um, And I think the other reason is once Pondering Pluton starts, Connor, you and I can just vamp about stuff that we're currently like watching or reading or whatever yeah if we want to so um we'll have more of an outlet soon if we like want to bring stuff like that back in um but yeah i i wonder I, if my one other i wonder if update, uh, puton will come up in this question bucket in any form yeah um that's my one other thing i was gonna ask this when we were in the the part where we were just goofing off before i did the intro autumn Mm -hmm. um would you be able to make a redirect to uh i will get this up and send it to you maybe have it be like uh diving schedule would be fun okay i feel like um let me so only people uh i'm gonna have to change this over it is anyone with the link can view. Okay. Um, I made an, a, a spreadsheet that is like an official document. I'll just send this to you directly, Autumn. Yep. Like DM. Um, I guess I can send it to you, Connor, as well. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, just out of pity. Yeah. So I don't feel left out. Um, so I... this is... You go. Yeah. You go. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, this is, this is like, the official schedule, although stuff may shift around, as always. Like, you know, if we record another random surprise bonus episode like we did for Utena with Autumn, um, that'll just, like, appear in here. Or, you know, if we just get through and we're just like, actually, we just don't want to do this series at all anymore. Um, we're just like, fuck Iron-Blooded Orphans now or something. Yeah, um, we just give up halfway through. Yeah, we always reserve the right to, like to just change this, but this is like the current planned schedule. Um, this is also the official announcement of our our current planned guests. Although this again is also completely open to change. Um, so you know, after we finish Utena, like next week, we'll have the beginning of Ghost Diver stuff, um, which is basically just going to be connor and i except for the crossover event with ornate stairwells but that'll be a weird episode um you'll hear about it in the intro in in two weeks um then we're doing bacchano with uh john charles holmes which if you listen to the post ed section where we're goofing around a little bit uh you'll hear a little bit about jc there as well um then we're going to do serial experiments lane probably with you autumn unless you're like i'm super busy and can't do this anymore yeah but it's only 13 episodes so it's doable. should be manageable um, and then I think we're going to do Paranoia Agent with Josh McKenzie and Craig Neeson from Swim Fans. Um, so that'll be our first time having two guests on the podcast, but um, that, that'll that be fun. Again, some of this is like maybe they'll be super busy. But um, And then we're going to do Kino's Journey, the original, not the like shitty 
kind of reboot continuation uh, with Kim Bellwoods. Uh, so oh! all friends of the pod. Um, yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> We're bringing in our uh, light novel expert to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> our LNE. Yeah. Um, LNE SME. And then we'll do Iron Blooded Orphans, which uh, is currently planned to be 10 episodes, which is just a lot of fucking episodes. Mm. Uh, of a uh, this podcast um i'm like kind of daunted when i look at it and it's like february through june <laughs> but um not quite as daunting as our our burgeoning plans to do twin peaks on ornate stairwells but um so yeah that's that's the little update here and yeah, if you can just do a redirect, that diving schedule is, is probably the good. Okay, that's what you know. I was going to ask. Did you want to do something more cutesy, or did you want to just do, like, straightforward? I was going to do yeah, ghost I'll... diver schedule, but I, I'm fine with diving schedule. Just whatever. Yeah. We'll do diving schedule. It's, like, kind of cutesy, but not, like, super out of the, yeah. you know? All right, I'm um, getting this link you sent me. I just I just sent yep. to you, like, yeah. I got it um, it, it, it okay. should be working in a couple of hours. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'll be working by the time this episode is out. So, yeah. That's all that really matters. Yep. Um, so, I think that's it, unless other people have, like, updates that they want to do. No. I'm kind of the one who does updates. <laughs> yeah. Shall we get into... I don't... So, did you read any more of the manga autumn i so i read the intro um did yeah. not care for it but you told me it got better and so i was intending to stick with it but um i uh just fell deep into like a movie watching hole i um watched like six movies in five days and i've had enough work going on that that's kind of been all my free time um it's not that I yeah. couldn't have finished Utena. I just did things that I enjoyed more with my free time. So uh, I apologize. <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> um, and then I guess you can you can tell your story, Connor. Oh yeah. So um, I wasn't able to acquire a copy of the manga in time. Um, I do want to say shout out to Joseph at the Oberlin College Library. Um, you did your best. Uh, I know. Um, the Ohio Library System failed us both, uh, so it, it didn't get to me in time. Um, so I was able to read a lot of like Volume One, which is the only, uh, seemingly the only, like section of the manga that is available anywhere online, um, in like a scanned form or whatever. Um, and also that you know that version has what is pretty obviously like kind of a shitty fan translation um mm. or an unofficial translation um i think some parts seemed like better than others um insofar as you know is, is that i'm able to tell um yeah but yeah nonetheless a couple of caveats there um so even though i wanted to read it um so i could actually like respond to uh, some of what you might say, Neve, uh, I I wasn't able to, um, but it turns out that I guess you you didn't have a lot to say either. Yeah, well, and part of it too is like if 
we had all read it, maybe there'd be more of a discussion to be had. Um, I was like, I don't have a ton to just like say on my own. Um, and so some of it was like, eh, like maybe I'll, I'll bounce off of stuff and I'll have more once we get going. Um, but one, I just like, I do think it gets better than the very beginning. Like the, even by the end of the first, um, volume of the like two volume box set. Um, I think it, it gets more interesting than like the very beginning where you're just like, what even is this? Um, well, cause the very I, beginning is like a lot of that. They just completely excised, uh, in the show, mm-hmm. like the first mm-hmm. four chapters or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it's still just like the show is better and is doing, I think more interesting things. And it's like maybe kind of interesting to think of it as like yet another telling. If you think about the show and, you know, adolescence of Utena doing these like various tellings of kind of this like path through, but I feel like a lot of the characters don't get developed as much. Um, jury is just like, completely like all of her queerness is, is eradicated yeah there's stuff the about story. her like liking to like being in love with toga and whatever what yeah um yeah and the stuff with so there's the whole ruka episode the, this is stuff that happens in the second volume there's that like those two episodes with ruka and we talk about like how he's kind of a shitty dude he like basically sexually assaults her at one point um and then there's kind of this like dream like you get the shadow play where it's like oh he was trying to help out a girl or whatever um and we talked about how that like complicates some of the thing like some of the reading and and how it's specifically complicating like what is jury's like um intentions with shiori um like here's this more obviously like oh ruka is like trying to win the affections of a, a lesbian girl and there's like this like weird bad conversion therapy by like kissing her and assaulting her stuff going on but by bringing that in can then call into question to what degree is like jury still even though she's not approaching it in this like horrible way wishing that like shiori would love her and not be straight Mm -hmm. if that's like the reading that you have going on there so it is like kind of interesting but the version that you get in the manga is just straight like no like ruka really just loved jury and wanted to like help her out and you know it's just sad that she couldn't see it soon enough or whatever yeah um it's like oh like i'm just trying to like motivate you to find that inner spark that i know you have yeah type of thing um and then there the other thing that i i kind of didn't like about the manga although it's different with so at the the back end of um volume two has the adolescence of utana manga which i did enjoy more but is also um a lot of it is very similar to like especially the early parts of the movie um it it was published in a um like magazine that it's for adult women instead of like young girls um so Uh you know the the movement from uh shoujo to, to jose um and so because of that they're able to show some more stuff explicitly that like happened in the the movie as well um and it's only really in that section where it's like brought up that akio like assaulted uh anthe it does not happen in the main manga and akio is kind of like just weirdly a like he's like 
the bad side of the brother that she loved and then there's like the good side and yeah it like i really don't like how the main manga ends um but adolescence of Utena is a little bit better but also like it's not really doing anything that the movie didn't do you know mm-hmm. um so like overall none of it like hit me a, a, as that uh None of this was like, oh, wow, I'm really glad that I read this because it gave me like a a far more interesting like view of these things. A lot of it just kind of felt more straight and um, often kind of like effacing what in the show is like very clearly like manipulative, abusive men as just like romantic interest. And that's the part that felt the most like uncomfortable and bad to me was just that... um, like, if you don't read the Adolescence of Utena manga and you only read the, the like, Revolutionary Girl Utena main manga and you never watched the show, I I think it would be far more easy to be like, no, Akio's just, like, a hot guy. Like, I like Akio. Um, there's some stuff that he does that's kind of shitty, but, it, like, it never goes into this territory that, um, like, emphasizes the way that he's this, like, horrible groomer man. Um, and just like any version of a story that's going to like efface that out of his character is something I'm going to be upset with because, (laughs) um, just that being so central to a lot of the other Utana stuff makes it like really sit bad and weird to me. But, um, the other thing I don't like is that the, a lot of the side stuff, um, including actually like the entirety of the Black Rose saga arc gets relegated to like essentially bonus chapters um and not having that stuff like slot in throughout the rest of the the like overarching story um also seems like it it takes something away to me um because you don't get that like interesting mingling of like we're talking about more serious topics but sometimes we're introducing it in like a more comedy episode before you develop it further in more serious ways um that is also a strength of the show to me. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess like that's mostly what I have to say about the manga. Yeah. I, um, um, I don't know. I don't want to like sound too authoritative because I have not read a ton of like shoujo manga or watched a ton of shoujo anime, but like part of the appeal to me of a lot of that stuff is like the expressiveness of the art. We talked so much about like just the like, over the topness of like um clamp stuff during the rare earth season and the the utena manga at least the first chapter or two that i read just didn't feel like lively at all it felt like everyone was so stiff and on model and and like the art just did not draw me in any in any way. The art seemed like very functional and like you know not much more than functional um, in a way that just didn't draw me in. It's not the sorts of things that I read comics for, and so it was just kind of hard to motivate myself to read more because I felt that way about the early part, you know. Yeah. Um. I would also say the the Adolescence of Utena manga, I think, has the most what you're talking about in terms of, like, this is what I enjoy with shoujo art. Um, There are just, like, sometimes a page where it's just, like, 
oh, you just drew a shit ton of roses, mm-hmm. like <laughs> doing the rose garden or something. Um, and just like, yeah, drawing a shit ton of roses with like little gleaming star things in the, the distance and stuff is like, okay, this is what I want from shoujo manga. <laughs> but yeah, it, it takes a while for it to like really get there as well. Yeah, I think, um, like, by the time I was getting to the end of the first volume, um, I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Autumn, like, it, when you come to the manga from the show, it's, it is a little jarring, um, because, like, compared, compared to, like, that, like, Baroque ornateness of the show, with all of the color and, like, um, you know, all, everything else that's brought, uh, all the other like technical things that are brought into play with the animation, um, the manga can be a little lifeless. Um, but towards the like end of the first volume, there is a lot of stuff in there that's like, um, there are sequences that are very like dynamic and, ex- and, um, a lot of art that's really like expressive, um, that I, I thought was like pretty interesting. Um, while still not like, not really being, uh, satisfying in the same way that the show is. Yeah. Um, and not, to some degree, like comparing to Clamp is a, uh, unfair comparison because they are just masters at this. Like it, it's sometimes popular now to like make fun of the Clamp style because of how over the top it is, but it's just fantastic. Like <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. and if that's what you want, like few people do it better than clamp. Yeah. I, I um, think, I think the over the topness of clamp probably gets made fun <laughs> of a little bit in popular discourse because it is like for women in a way that like over the top, like Dragon Ball Z does not get made fun of, even though it is <laughs> equally over the top in its own ways, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm sending this to our, like, line group chat, um, but I'm going to send a few photos that I just took of the Adolescence of Utena manga, where I think, like, this is just what I wish most of the manga was all along, um, but you do finally sort of get it with Adolescence of Utena. I, I feel like the biggest thing is, like, if someone wants to read the manga, I would maybe first point towards just read Adolescence of Utena, um, and then you can also read the other stuff if you're, like, really interested in it, but if... People aren't like, oh, I really want to check this out just to, like, check it out. Um, I think the the one thing that's worth reading more is just that Adolescence of Utena section. Yeah, there's definitely um, a notable difference, like, between what I read and those, those pictures that you just sent. Um, yeah. I, I am thinking of, like, chapters, like, you know, 25, 26, 27. Some of the, like, fight sequences and stuff um, are, like, getting into that. Like the dual sequences with like Ruka and Juri are getting into yeah. that territory where they are like, um, you know, there's a lot happening and a lot of detail. Um, yeah, I feel like one of the big ones is as it goes on, you can see that she's learning how to do those duels more, which is just an important thing to be able to do well. Um, so I feel like at the very beginning, it's not quite hitting. The, um, the other big thing for me with the manga, and this is something that we uh, that happened for me when we were doing uh, Ava with the Ava manga, um, 
but I feel like the manga just it not only is it more straight but also it's like much more straightforward in terms of narrative um yeah and it it gives a bunch of detail that like you don't get in this show uh and and i think that again like it was with ava um obscurity is a big uh is an important part of like how i understand the show um and like how it works the way it does um specifically like you know obscurity around like the world and um the character like characters histories um their motivations um like what's happening with time uh and all of these like things that are um you know left obscure um or resolved only at the very end um like is I, I just think that's really important for um what the show is and and like the reason it becomes um something very different from the manga um yeah it, it allows it to do like a, a lot of other things um basically all of the stuff that our discussions focused on that we <laughs> thought was more like the most interesting part uh most interesting parts of the show um like are not really uh part of the manga um or not nearly to the same extent yeah they they explain a lot of what's going on at the end of like in volume two at the end of the Menu Tenna stuff with Anthony and Akio and it it also like eliminates a lot more of the ambi- uh, ambiguity of like here reading like different ta- fables or myths or things like that but like we have competing ones and those competing ones like are sometimes in conflict and then there are like other times where you can try and match things up but then maybe you're seeing it from different perspectives um, and, and like how much of this is uh, like abstracting things that are happening that are more realistic or how much of this is engaged with like the construction of myth and, and legends and things like that. Um, Whereas in the manga, it's just like Anthe's a goddess. Um, Akio is the, so like her brother was this God and was split into two and Dios was the Prince of light and Akio is the Prince of darkness. And Anthe's just trying to like recombine the, the two of them into one. Um, and Utena is like has the spirit of the Prince of Light and has to like basically reunite like the two halves and become the prince for her. Um, yeah, and even- and there's still like a, a other way that you can read it that's not this like literal version, but so much of it is presented in this like no here is like the explanation the in universe explanation of what's happening. Um, and then you can read it and go like, ah, but this is still like a metaphor about something else that's happening. Uh, but it, that like ambiguity is not figured in the text itself. It's just in the, the reading of the text and being like, okay, but stories are often talking about other things and not just like made up gods. <laughs> right. And there's also the aspect of, I mean, it, so that we have those first four chapters that are like completely excised from the show um, where it's just like, Oh yeah, you know, um Utena lives in Japan with her aunt. And you know, oh there's all of this like elaborate stuff about um or all of this backstory that you get immediately 
about like, oh yeah, Utena's parents died. And then her aunt like took her in and she has this relationship with her aunt and her aunt works at, you know, as an interior designer. <laughs> and uh, her aunt's going to transfer to the Netherlands. It's uh, so and, weird. <laughs> yeah. And Utena's yeah. going to go to the Netherlands, but then like, uh, for like various reasons, she decides to stay. Well, for one reason, uh, she decides decides to go to the Otori Academy, which is in Japan. <laughs> so she doesn't go to the Netherlands after all. And then she goes yeah. to Otori Academy, like Otori Academy, um, and it's like, oh, okay. So, th- like, compare that to the show where it's just like, you know, you're just plopped in to Otori Academy, which is like this weird like kind of surreal like half ruined um you know place out of time like the entire world is in obscurity like you don't know if this until much later you don't know if this is like even in like you know any type of recognizable like political context uh yeah and and all that is so important for like setting up these themes and these dynamics around like um unreality and like time and you know history and etc etc um yeah i think i say in a very early discussion episode that i started reading the manga and they talk about amsterdam and i'm just like amsterdam does not exist in (laughs) utena at the beginning of the show like i can't think about otori academy existing in the same world as amsterdam and by the end i can kind of start doing that because they're like complicating things more but there's still a certain amount to which i'm like no it's nobody talks about amsterdam in utena (laughs) right and like think about the end of like adolescence of utena like where are they (laughs) <laughs> Amsterdam. <laughs> like wherever they end up at the end of Adolescence of Utena is not a world that you can reconcile with just like, oh, I'm going to I'm transferring to like another division of my interior design job in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, um so yeah. I will say the the Adolescence of Utena manga, uh no car transformation scene. Weird. It ends differently. Well so. that's the most damning uh yeah. Most damning thing of all. <laughs> Clearly, they, they didn't have the writer of the future writer of Redline working on the manga. Um. Anyway, I think I'm good to move on to questions, unless okay. anyone has anything else to say. Do y'all want to do a drink check before you go to questions? I am um, not drinking sure. anything, so mm. I'm just drinking water because I've been feeling kind of down today, and I I think last time i talked about this on the podcast it was in a post ending section but um when i'm not like feeling healthy like when i'm not like happy i don't want to like do substances because i had a childhood of using substances to cope with feeling sad all the time um and i just i don't want that (laughs) yeah Um, yeah um so yeah i guess i'm the only one drinking um, I mean, Nora, Nora gave me a look when I said I'm not drinking. I did smoke earlier. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> uh, n- no. <laughs> okay. It's, I mean, not, it's not a drink check. It yeah. is a vibe check, but not a drink check. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I'm drinking um, beer from a brewery, a local brewery called Moorline. Um, and it's called The Smithy. Um it's, I guess, well, I'm just going to read from the can. 
Smithy is a golden lager with a soft multi flavor and a round dry finish. Poured poured with a creamy white head. Mm. Um so that's that's what the label says. Um, um. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk any more about the text of that label. Uh, speaking uh, of the text <laughs> of that label, uh, Autumn, yesterday you tried to squirt. What did you think of it? <laughs> <laughs> did not know where that was going. Did not know. <laughs> hey, we promised more squirt content in 2022. Yeah. Uh, squirt, the official drink of Ghost Divers and Pondering Pluton. Yeah. Um, okay, so for the truly dedicated among you... Um, we were recording this the day after um, the She's Gotta Have It um, Ornate Stairwells. You might recall me mentioning on that podcast that um, um, Emily had made a very strong cocktail that evening. <laughs> um, yeah. That it kind of knocked me on my ass a little bit. Um, so after that, I had a squirt. And the squirt was nice. I probably would have finished squirting. <laughs> <laughs> if um if i hadn't had a cocktail before that but unfortunately i i was uh not thirsty enough to squirt uh fully <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta maintain concentration to complete the yeah. full squirt process but yeah the grapefruit was very nice i, yeah. I was kind of surprised you said grapefruit soda i'm like i don't know that i like grapefruit juice but i'll give it a shot yeah. yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it was an enjoyable experience. Yeah, I, yeah. I would say I enjoyed squirt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while since I squirted. It, it is actually. kind of just like I, a, should, I need to. Uh, I need yeah. to get back into it. Um, it is kind of just like a, a citrusy soda, but instead of it being like lemon lime, it's just grapefruit. Yeah, um, but it's like still like similar in like flavor. Yeah, you know. Um. Yeah, so um, I don't know how that relates to the the um, creamy white qualities of of my beer, but well, I'm glad so, you brought it back in. Um, Autumn, you you hadn't poured it into a can, but if you do, it's a little cloudy. So I am assuming the beer that you're drinking is also a little cloudy. Maybe uh, not though. I, w- I wouldn't know because it's it's in a can. I yeah. don't. I don't pour it with a creamy white head. I just drink it out of the can. <laughs> so I guess I'm not very good at following instructions. But you know, yeah, I kind of, you know, kind of do my own thing. The can uh, is part of the drinking experience for you. Yeah, yeah. So what's funny about this is, um, I actually kind of know. So I kind of know the the guy who used to be like in charge of the brewing at Moorline. Um, he's a friend, yeah. he's a friend of a friend. I've talked to him a few times and I met him one time. Um, and I'm not going to be like too mean because, uh, he's, he's a friend of a friend. Um, but the only time that I like hung out with this guy, uh, we were, um, just hanging out at my friend's house and like drinking beer or whatever. Uh, and my friend was kind enough to procure some Bud Lights for me. Um, so I'm just drinking Bud Light. And this guy was like, well, so we all assembled in the kitchen. We were going to start drinking. And uh, my friend was like, hey, what do you want? And I was like, do you have a Bud Light or anything equally shitty? Um, and he was like, yeah, I mean, I got you. Uh, and this guy, the Moreland guy, was just like so aghast. He just couldn't, 
he just couldn't handle it. Um, and so I was kind of like, I think he thought that I was trolling him somehow, but I was like, no, like, I'm not trying to <laughs> like, this isn't just some act to offend you. Like I'm actually just want to drink like a Bud Light or something. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, and then like shortly after that, uh, when it was his turn to choose, he was like, Oh, like, what do you have? And my friend, it was like, I'll never forget this. My friend had like gone out of his way to get some really fancy beer that I guess is regarded as like, you know, being really high quality amongst beer people. Um, and I could tell that my friend was like planning for this moment. Like he had like gotten this because he wanted to accommodate this guy. Um, and he was like, Oh man, I've got this. Like you want one of these? Um, and the guy, like, I, I swear to God, he was like, has that beer ever been stored outside of a refrigerator before? And my friend is like, um, maybe, probably, like, for, like, 30 minutes or something. And the guy was just like, no, 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 no I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> um, so, you want to get to questions? Anyway, yeah. So that must be why this beer is so good, because, you know. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was made by someone who is that who knows that much about beer. Who's that exacting? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, before we get into questions, just if people are are listening and they want to write in to future question buckets, you can write into ghostdiverspod at gmail dot com, um, and we'll also take questions about like stuff that we covered previously so um if you have questions about Cromartie high school uh send it in we'll probably answer it on pondering Bhutan, honestly um a better example if you're listening to this and you're like damn i missed the utena one and you want to write in utena questions go ahead and do it and we'll do it the next question bucket that comes up um for second gig but in, yeah that, that would be fun. um it's an interesting yeah. mix there yeah um Nobody's done this yet, but I, I just want to put it out there. People can write in about things that aren't just what the series was, you know, the season we just did was about. Um, also, apologies if people write in and, like, you know, I try and look up how to pronounce names, but, like, if I mess up a name, feel free to correct me uh, if you write in again. Or, uh, you know, I appreciate when people put pronouns so that I know what to say if we refer to them. Um, so... All that to say, uh, I we got like two people writing in who have not written in before. We also got our our like stable the, the people who write in all the time. <laughs> um, but uh, it's good to see. I feel like we're growing as a podcast. It's nice. Um, yeah, it's it is really nice whenever I see um, a new person writing in. Um, and also, these were great questions uh, this time. So these uh, are really good questions. I just read through them while we've been recording this early part and uh they're really fucking good questions so yeah. yeah so i'm very grateful for everyone who wrote in thank you um and uh yeah i hope you keep writing in yeah so uh the first one here is uh Shomik, who actually wrote in fairly early on when it was airing i think it was like november or something um so you know people can also feel free to write in whenever if they have a thought um even early on in the series um, and Shemek says, uh, really enjoying your Utena episode so far. I wanted to point you to what I think is another strong influence on Utena. 
um, Osamu Dezukai's uh, Onisama E, which uh, is often translated as Dear Brother. Um, that was my just little interstitial there. Um, Dezaki is usually known outside of Japan for the 1970, box, uh, 1970 boxing anime Ashito no Joe and the Rose of Versailles. Um, or I never know how to say that. Versailles. 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 Uh, I, there is a I don't town in Missouri called Versailles, and it messes me up too, but yes, it is Versailles. Yeah. There are so um, many... Sorry, quick aside. There are so many fucking towns in the United States <laughs> called Versailles. Yeah. There's, one, there's yeah. one in Kentucky, and there's one in Ohio, and there's one in Indiana, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and now I'm learning there's one in Missouri as well. <laughs> yeah. There are, there are multiple places in the Midwest, uh, like in Illinois and Wisconsin especially, that are French names uh, that you do not say in the French way. Um, there's like Des Moines, I think, is one. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, not like Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa, but Des Moines. <laughs> yes. Um, there's... Uh, yeah, there's there's like a bunch in in Wisconsin that are like this. Um, anyway, of course there and of course there's Lowellville. Yeah, not to I'm not um, making fun of the pronunciation like that. That's my best attempt because it is a really unique uh, way that it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the Rose of Versailles, which seems to have or Versailles, which seems to have <laughs> had a strong influence on new tennis design. Uh, but Onisama A, a shoujo melodrama by the same director, shows a few visual, uh, visual and stylistic sensibilities with Utena 2, especially in terms of the dramatic lighting, camera angles, and certain color schemes. Uh, though I think the similarities become more pronounced in the Black Rose arc of the show. I've included some screenshots, gifts below. I'll try and send these in like the the channel that we're in so you both can see them. Um, so you can get a general sense of what I'm talking about. Many of the episodes seem to be available on YouTube if you're interested in taking a look. Um, and then says, I think Lieutenant is probably in conversation with earlier anime like this in terms of its style of storytelling and use of subversion of tropes. Uh, but I don't really know enough about this era of shoujo anime to add more than that. Uh, but Onisama A does start with a young girl having a mysterious meeting with an older boy who she latches onto as a kind of ideal. Um, as a note, uh, in addition to this anime director doing both Rosa Versailles and uh, Onisama A. Uh, both of those are originally manga by um, Ikeda Ryoko, who I think is also probably like a, a good pull for Utena. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let me see if I can like pull this up or maybe I can just forward it to... While you I do... Guess... Oh, sorry. Connor, you're able to just like look on the Ghost Divers account, right? Uh, Yes. But I need to. Okay. Um, I'll but... just say while y'all are pulling things up, like I don't know um, Ashita no Joe or um, any of the ones that um, Shomik shouted out here, but uh, I am very fond of Dizuki's um, uh, Aim for the Ace, particularly the movie. I have not seen much of the show. Um, yeah. But uh, there is like a pretty straight line from aim for the ace to Tenna, i think um aim for the ace like very concerned with like um a student teacher relationship that is considerably less fraught because there's no sort of like sexual element to it but like a a still fraught like 
student teacher relationship where he pushes her too hard and um, all these sorts of things. And like the ways that like young people are asked to like sacrifice their time and health um, for things like sports, you know? Um, yeah. I really like the aim for the ace movie. I think it's like really like smart about a lot of that stuff. Um, and yeah, I think there's like a pretty, you could, you can see how one gets to, um, Utena from shows and films like aim for the ace. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did look at the, the email, um, probably about an hour before we started and the, the gifts. Um, and I definitely think like, there's there's obviously a connection um the like uh onisama a it seems to use uh like the floral like motifs uh pretty heavily as well um and then obviously rose of versailles um and uh, the like just generally like that kind of baroque um art style that comes into utena as well um i can i can definitely see a connection there um yeah the thing that's interesting for me is like uh and i guess this is really not a very interesting comment because this happens a lot whenever you uh engage with a certain like formal history um but the more like shoujo stuff that i read and encounter um the more i then like make connections to like oh okay utena is like yeah, I had a, fi- a vague sense that Utena was referencing like some sort of convention of genre, maybe. Um, yeah. But now I see like, oh, this is a specific like, you know, reference um, to something prior, or like, um, you know, oh, here's like prior specific iterations of like this thing that Utena is continuing to like iterate on, um, and and change and like you know respond to. Um, so I, I, I do think that like, there's a whole other podcast we could do, um, if, if we had the inclination and we like educate ourselves more on the subject, um, about like Utena in relation to shoujo, like, uh, overall. Um, but yeah, I don't know enough about it at this point either. I'm just like, as I look at it more, I... I have the same, like, reaction of, like, oh, shit, yeah, like, there's a lot of connections here. Yeah. Um, like, I would like us to get more and more into shoujo on this podcast, just because I feel like it gets covered less in a lot of, like, podcast stuff where people are going to talk about anime, because shonen just, like, occupies such a large part of like it's the most significant demographic in japan and then i feel like that gets intensified in the translation to the the u.s as well um where like it's still hard to get english translations of rosa versailles one of the most influential like shoujo manga ever (laughs) yeah um and like that's just because of both that market being smaller in japan and then the it becoming even smaller in the translation over to the West because um, Shonen is like what sold even more here. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I'd be interested in like trying to cover more of this stuff as we go on, just because um, I find it interesting, but then also some of it can be hard to even track down. 
um, which is, you know, we run into this with ornate stairwells as well, where like, I want to cover stuff from smaller countries and things. Uh, and a lot of that stuff just like doesn't get releases in the U S you can't find yeah. it streaming and stuff. Um, you can't find like even good rips online. So, um, one other note I want to make here is, um, Juo actually told me about this anime as well. Um, and talked about it being called dear brother. And so when I first read this email, I didn't make the connection. Um, and then I w I was literally preparing this and I think Juo told it me to me about it. Like, you know, before we were even doing Utena, uh, but I just like suddenly was looking at it again and I was like, I, this, I feel like, like someone else also told me about this. Um, and I found in my, my conversation with Juo, um, the screenshots that he sent me, uh, which includes one of, uh, the like dark haired girl in the gift that you see grabbing the light haired girl's hair, um, biting that girl's ear, uh, then a part where there's two girls and one of them is saying, uh, by the way, would you like to take a bath with me? <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. The, those were just random selections. I'm yeah. Sure. And then another one where, um, it's kind of like there's a, a brick wall in the like foreground, but you can kind of see them like more in the distance, uh, somewhat obscured by the brick wall. And one of the girls is like slamming the other girl against a wall and saying, I forbid it. You cannot date a boy. Um, and then the final one was just a girl smoking, wearing like a suit coat. <laughs> so, um, wow. yeah, definitely a show that I want to check out. <laughs> yeah. The only one, the only one missing is the one where she pulls her hair back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Showed it, maybe had not gotten to that episode yet or something. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, definitely like stuff worth checking out for people. And again, as this podcast goes on, I, I want to make sure that we're hitting shoujo um, fairly often, even if, like, in terms of just what's out there to talk about, we st I don't know if it'll be a 50-50 split between, like, you know, shoujo and, and josei stuff, and then, like, um, shonen and sign-in, but uh, I just feel like people don't talk about this stuff enough, so... yeah. Like, I just take it on myself to find it and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, if you, dear listener, have other good recommendations, feel free to send them to me. I obviously know all the clamp stuff. But, um, yeah. I don't know if there's any other thoughts. We can move on to the, the next email here. I think we can move on. Okay. Um, so, Juliet wrote in. Uh, and they say, hi, Ghost Divers, long time, first time. This is my first time watching Utena, and I'm still in the Black Rose arc. Uh, and my question is, by the way, Wild Ride, I hope you you are enjoying it um, <laughs> as much as we did. It's, it's an intense anime, but uh, I love this one a lot. So, um, But their question is, why is Hanami such a sympathetic character when every action she takes in the show, so far at least, is on its face awful? Uh, is Nanami of Riska, uh, Columbina in the Commedia dell'Arte sense, or something else entirely? I, what makes her foibles sorry. relatable despite her <laughs> truly disreputable actions? Um, and lists out some in case we, we want to reference them, but... I oh. object to even the insinuation that Nanami could be of Riska. 
So, I simply don't know Homestuck. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't even get what's. I didn't yeah. recognize the reference, and I typed, okay. And I was like, okay, I guess this is a Homestuck thing. Um, Vriska, Vriska is a character from Homestuck. I, I so you know cards on the table. I have not read. Um, I read through Act Five of Homestuck, which is like just under half of it, I think. And I did that years and years ago. So, like, <laughs> sorry, I dropped something twice now. Anyway, no um, Vriska is a character that I have a great deal of affection for. I think she is like an interesting, complicated character. I think she's probably the most interesting and complicated character in homestuck i think like at a certain point Vriska was the reason i was reading homestuck um like you know spoilers for homestuck Vriska like paralyzes a child while calling him slurs um nanami is not that <laughs> you know? yeah. mm. um juliet like lists some of the things like you know nanami drowns a kitten Nanami's not, like, doing so hot here. It is important to understand both about Vriska and about, like, Nanami that, like, they're 13, 14. They're children. They're literal children. Yeah. And they're both children, like, who are very, like, shown time and again to be, like, victims of abuse to where, like, man, it is hard to get mad at Nanami for, you know quote-unquote, like, thirsting after her brother because, like, she has been groomed to do so, you know? Um, and yeah. in, in fairness to Juliet, I don't think that she's, like, through the Black Rose Saga, I don't think you fully see the extent of it. There is just a sort of childish innocence to Nanami um, that, like, I think makes her very sympathetic and good, um, even when she's doing shitty things. Um, whereas, like, I think Homestuck is a a piece of media that is like much more like um explicitly grosser and nastier uh, and cruel at times than um utena is utena has much more sympathy for humans generally speaking um and so like the scale of like vriska's crimes i think is like much much worse than anything nanami does in this show you know (laughs) yeah I mean, this is a thing that I, I think I say as we, like, get towards the end of the series, which is um, even Toga, which this is a noted, noted Toga haters podcast, um, and Sionji, who is just widely hated, um, both of them I have, like, some sympathy and hope for in that, like, I don't know if they are going to get better, but they are, like, in high school, and they are, like, being groomed by Akio. And I just hope that, like, when they get out of that situation, they can, like, hopefully find a better support system where they will be a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not shitty like Toga and Sionji were shitty, but I was still a shitty person who was, like, hung up on... I, I was having transgender feelings and not understanding them and sublimating them into, like, being weird about my jealousy around tomboys and shit. Um... And all of that is, like, stuff that you can kind of grow out of. And most of the characters are characters who I hope that, like, 
when you were going through like middle school and high school, I think there's a lot of stuff that um, if it was an adult doing these things, it would be like, you should know better. But so much of that period of your life is trying to figure out how to relate to people in this like more adult sense and moving out of this like more childhood way of relating to people. Um, and honestly fucking up a lot, like middle schoolers and high schoolers fuck up a lot. And I'm very glad that, um, most of my fuck ups were not like committed to the internet in the way that I think that's happening for, for people more and more now. Um, because you, you just like figure out how to be a, an adult and a person. Um, and when you are young and when, especially like most of the characters in the show who are, you know, in middle school and high school, um, victims of like traumatic and like traumatic events and abuse and things. Um, it's often very hard to like arrive at the, those like healthy adult outcomes right away. Um, and some of what's beautiful to me about the show is like the way that characters start reaching out to each other to try and break out of that. Um, and, and this is a key thing with like Utena and Anthe, but, I think there's also like hope that this can happen with other people. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like the big thing that makes them super sympathetic, Nanami here is I, I just don't feel like she's like these shitty things she's doing is because she's like lashing out because of the situation that she's in. And I just mm-hmm. like, it's so much harder for me to just like fully be like, this is a, a terrible person. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's that's a really a really good point. Um, there's, and it, like, it, it makes me think about as well, like something that I kind of was, um, like several times intending to bring up when we were talking about it, but I just never got around to it. Um, you know, I'm like, when I was in high school, I had like some many, uh, well, I had some very like toga esque traits. Um, you know, not to the, like, the extent of violence that, like, he goes to at times. Um, but definitely, like, th- there's definitely some some traits that, that I had that Toga um, models as well. Um, and then times in my life, like, you know, earlier than that, um, when, you know, I was, like, I did some things that were really cruel um, to people, did and said... Um, and I think it, exactly like you said, Neve, like when you're in middle school and like becoming an adult, um, part of that is this, like this central dilemma of like figuring out how to be like a person among other people and how to ethically relate to, to others. Um, and it's a question that's taken up in Utena and also like, mm. you know, a big point of discussion for us in, in our Ava like coverage as well. Um, but that is like a dilemma that is not, you know, that I think is central to the human experience and is not like simple or easy or even certain to be like resolved. Um, and especially then when you get the context of like um, abuse or trauma or just an absence of like, you know, some of the tools and framework for, um, you know, that ethical relation. Um, and you kind of have to learn yourself, like, 
the really the only way to do it is through like you know trial and error which involves hurting other people um and all of this just to like you know confirm your point neve um but but i feel the same way like um this is something that's been like a part of my life as well um and i think the series like with the way that nanami's character develops um is really actively engaging uh with this like idea in respect to her character um because she does like develop um into a person who is like you know ha- starts to have relationships with like um Utena and Anthe and the other student council members and starts to like care about other people and be compassionate um and when she like unlocks that aspect of herself um you know she seems to like um begin to like move past some of the like you know anxiety and like malice um that we see her like stuck in that's motivating her to to a major degree um yeah by the end she is not a schemer and she's a schemer at the beginning right Mm. Um, um, and that, like, in and of itself is a, a key, like, change that's happening. I, I do think this is a great question, though, because it gets at, like, not only that important question, but also, like, the way that we, like, ghost divers in our reading of the show, like, construct, um, like, ideas of, like, culpability and blame and, like, morality, um, and like what characters are, you know, do we view as redeemable and like what what characters do we allow that for and what characters do we like, you know, not find ourselves allowing that for and why, um, which I think is like, you know, a, again, like a related subject, but um, like important for how we do, like how we respond to um to these series that we watch. Yeah. Um, and also like for me specifically think, thinking about the kitten thing as well is like, that's even when she's very young. Um, and kids at that age, like if they are doing these like violent things, that is not like, this is someone who needs to be like punished, like punishing a kid who is like killing small animals or setting fires or something is usually like the direction of the like school to prison sort of pipeline stuff of mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is a troubled child. who must be like punished and is like culpable for everything. Instead, like those sorts of kids need help. Like they need what is happening where they're like, they are not developing um, these moral systems, even at that age should like, not yeah. be killing small animals and things like that. Um, or just and like that's an or- probably uh, a failure of like the adults in their life, not the child themselves. Yeah. Um, or just like an organic sense of like empathy or whatever. Yeah. Um, a kind of reflexive like empathy. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I'm just bringing in as like that one in particular, which is, I think in some ways, like at least for me, one of the most like, no, it's just a bad thing to have done but it's like yeah she was also like a small kid who probably needed like 
supportive, loving adults in her life and not what she yeah. had. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think um, not to like dwell on the subject too much, but um, I do think it's interesting um, the way that like the series that we like look at, not just Utena, but, but Utena, like, you know, being the one in question here, um, the way that it handles, like, the idea of, like, um, culpability and, like, violence. Um, and, you know, I, I think there is, like, I think Utena does kind of sit with, like, the, the, re- uh, how shocking and violent it is that like Nanami just like kills a kitten. Um, while also not like, I th- there's this continuum between like, okay, well, you know, someone does something horrible and the show just like blows past it and doesn't really give it like the appropriate weight. Um, and that person's culpability, like for doing that, the appropriate weight. Um, and then there's like, you know, the other side of that continuum um, where it's like, you know, oh, well, there's no consideration. They're just like villainized and there's no consideration of like contingency um, or, yeah. or motivation. Um, and like where Utena falls in that continuum is uh, versus like other shows that we've watched is um, an interesting question that maybe one one other day we can talk about. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to the next email? Yeah. Um, so next email comes in from Joao. He says, picture this. You leave the recording of this episode of Ghost Divers and discover that someone high up at Atlas is a diehard Ghost Divers fan. They are vexed that Neve hates their games and decides to use their power for evil. <laughs> they call you and say that you must choose a Bergman movie that will inspire them, uh, will inspire their next multimedia franchise the same way that Persona did, and that Ikuni will be involved. Which one would you choose? <sighs> All right. Okay, so you left out the the intro of this email where I am finally anointed the true hero of this podcast. Um, yeah. Hello, villains and Connor. <laughs> yeah, um, which, is, by the way, is a very villainous thing for you to do. Um, so, very, very much to be expected. Um, um, at this point, Joe just always does jokes for the deer, whatever, on like ornate stairwells and stuff, and I give them no time of day. <laughs> um, I cannot sanction this buffoonery. Yeah, yeah, likely story. Um, so my answer to this question, I really want to say Varg Timon. Um, oh yeah, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, I think that might be just because like if Ikuni can make an anime about like a bear attack, um, and turn it into a shoujo anime, um, from what I understand, well, this um, is what happened. Yeah. Um, or like a, a killer, like a, a rash of bear attacks by a killer bear. Um, yeah. Then maybe like Varg Timon. Um, but I think the, really the correct answer to this is the seventh seal. Um, because the thing it's is, basically perfect already, in every way. 
the thing is, they've already made a game series based off of the Seventh Seal, and it's called Shin Megami Tensei. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is just a game where you, you like, play chess with death and, you know, confront, like, the morality of the world and uh. have to, like, deal with... Well, except instead of the silence of God, you have to literally silence God yourself by killing Yahweh. Mm. <laughs> but, you know... There are there are changes that happen in adaptation. So, um, so no, there you I'm, go. I'm, it's, it's so perfect that it's already been done. I'm fully yeah. on board with Hour of the Wolf. I I want to see the Hour of the Wolf video game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was I was like that was my first. That was just like my immediate reaction, and then I was like, but how would this actually work? Um, <laughs> at which the point I was is, like, Seventh Seal is a much easier adaptation because. For for several reasons, yeah. Um, the thing is, that is the correct one. There's not a better one. If you are actually given this, that's the one to do. Um, the other thing is, it should be wild strawberries because it's funny to do a, a <laughs> video game based on just like a movie about a, an old, old man, man going to his pick past. Yeah, remembering yeah. his past and <laughs> going to pick strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want whatever that game involving Yukuni would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not the right answer. It's just the funny one that I thought of. Yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty... <laughs> that that would have been out there. I thought of Wild Strawberries too, and then I was just like, no. Even even Atlas and Yukuni couldn't, couldn't do anything with that. <laughs> um... Once again, the only Atlas game that I truly don't like is Persona 3 Portable. Persona 3 in general, but I think Portable is even worse. Um, yeah, I was confused by this question. I was like, is there something that you've done on Ornate Stairwells about how you hate Atlas games? Because no, I was pretty sure Zuo that you liked them. Autumn and Juo just both like to make fun of me that I hate. So what happened is that I got so mad at Persona 3 Portable that you, Autumn, thought that I just mm. hated all Atlas games. Um, when in fact, like they're my favorite games. They're my favorite game developer. Uh, that is why I like get so head up about persona three portable. Did Atlas do persona three portable? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. For some um, reason, I thought that was a different, like yeah, developer. They give it to another company to do it. No, Atlas just, yeah. Anyway, next question. Uh, choose so any ready. type choose any type of competition to replace sword fights as the way people duel for the Rose Bride in Utena. Card Pokemon. games on motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, That's... you could do that. I, I was yeah, my two answers are Pokemon <laughs> and Bicycle Race. So Autumn Sh- and I kinda had the same <laughs> 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 We're kind of on the same wavelength, actually. Yeah. Um. Children's card games on motorcycles. So, <laughs> so I I really like MasterChef Australia. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And I would want specifically for it to be like a MasterChef Australia season is like the framing of it. Yeah, because <laughs> for sure. Because for sure. like, there there's a different vibe to it. There's like a one like Master Chef Australia. If people have not seen it, which 
unless you're in that's Australia our, or know me special. well enough. By the way, yeah. that is our next special. <laughs> our next like holiday special episode is Master Chef Australia. God, there's so much to watch for that. There's so um, much. I used to get so fucking high and watch Master Chef Australia <laughs> all the time. <laughs> So, if people are unfamiliar, um, if you've seen MasterChef or, like, normal American cooking shows, um, there'll be, like, three segments where at the beginning there's, like, maybe a little bit of, like, a fun challenge thing where people are, like, expected to be inventive or whatever, and then someone wins a, uh, like, advantage from that, and then there's, like, another one where the stakes are a little bit higher, blah, 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 and then whoever, like, you know, is in the bottom for that will then end up having an elimination round where it's like here's whatever the the number of people who like had the worst dishes um get and then if you got like the advantage you maybe get some control over one of those stages uh like maybe you get to set the some terms for the second section or maybe you're like getting immunity or something um MasterChef Australia takes that, like, here's, like, maybe an hour-long episode of television that has these three, like, discrete segments, and each of those becomes its own episode that is usually between, like, an hour to two hours long. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's great because it means that, like, you are, like, they're, like, returning to people, they're, like, talking to them about what they're doing, you are, like, actually learning about what these people are doing and how they are approaching food in a way that you just never do in the American like style of doing these cooking competition shows. Um, and that like attention to the detail is, is part of why I'm like, I want the, the, the show to like have an entire episode that is just the duel, but it is like them cooking. And it's like them talking about the dishes that they're making. That'd be fucking, this show would be like 150 episodes. This version of Utena. Sorry. I'm just like, as you're talking, I just, my mind just drifted off into like reminiscing about, all my favorite parts of Master Chef Australia. Yeah. All of my favorite scenes with Food Dandy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, uh, Food Dandy. The one, the one of the best ones is uh, I think it's in season one actually, where a guy is like it's at the beginning. So at the very beginning, I think they changed this a little bit in later seasons. But they have like, you know, it's like all contestants. You know, yeah. you have to like do a competition to see if you even get into the show. Um, yeah, and then like two episodes of just like people trying to get in. Yeah, and so you come with a dish that's like fifty percent prepared, and then you have to like finish the final fifty percent, and then serve it, and then they just like, you know, they narrow it down. And one guy did like a, I can't remember what it, what the like dish itself was, but he was combining. Uh, I think it might have been like a dumpling of some sort. But he's combining like banana and barbecue pork. And there's just this scene where Food Dandy is like, yeah, like, so the guy tells him, like, oh, yeah, this is, um, this is what I'm going to do. And he just gets this look on his face and he's just like, you're either 50 years ahead of your time or a complete imbecile. And he just like walks away. And then, so, and then later he's like serving him the food. And the guy just eats the food and he's like, you're not 50 years ahead of your time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And there's another one where a lady's doing, like, it's another pork dish. It's like um, a pork belly dish. And she's clearly just, like, at a loss. She has no idea what she's about to do or, like, how to, you know, 
what to do with this dish. Mm. And she's like, I know, I'm going to coat it in Dijon mustard and then deep fry it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And she does it and deep fries it. And it just, she pulls them out and they're just like black. (laughs) Yeah. And the guy comes up and he is like, and and he's not being like, he's not being a jerk. He's, you know, trying to be nice about it. Um, But he's like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. Um, and so he, he eats one of them and he just like, he gets the most solemn look on his face and he just like slowly nods no. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, anyway, Master Chef Australia. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That would be, that would be great for Utena. <laughs> um, all right. Moving on. We are, Autumn, we are like you, moving at a clip through this. Do you have... Do you have a submission? Oh, well, you already did card game on motorcycle. Yeah, yeah card okay. games yeah. on motorcycles. Got it. Sorry, yeah. I got so distracted yeah. by MasterChef Australia. I forgot <laughs> where we started. No, I, com- no. I completely derailed you by bringing in, like, one of our favorite shows together. Yes, um, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, Ina writes in, and she says, I trust that Juo has asked something uh, cool and insightful with his big big brain. Uh, <laughs> nope. No, he did not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Juliet was here. They did it for us. But uh, no, Joe just had some some joke questions as well. Um, but anyway, uh, Ina has some some joke prompts which we love. Uh, the first one, running through characters, uh, who kisses the homies goodnight? Who tucks in the homies goodnight? Oh. Um, <laughs> that's what you meant by tucking yes yeah the variation of who tucks in the homies okay yeah. what, what did you think autumn I... we'll go with what you thought no no we do not um... need to discuss who on utena tucks <laughs> uh here so i'm just gonna like just go to Google and type in Utena characters. We we can like yeah. use this as our our guide here. Um, let's start with Anthe. Um, yes. Yeah. Kisses the homies goodnights. Uh, what about Tux? Tux and the homies. Yes. By the end, I don't all, know if she does at the beginning. All of them, or just, or just just the ones. homies. Just the homies. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Um. Utana definitely both kisses and tucks in the homies. Yes, Utana yeah. kisses the homies goodnight. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, Akio. Does. Does in a bad kiss way. The, d- Akio kisses the homies goodnight. Akio does not tuck the homies in. Correct. Yeah. And he is a creep about it. Yeah. Um, Toga. Uh, mm. I think same deal. I think uh, kisses the homies goodnight does not tuck them in. I don't think yeah. he's like actually caring in that way. Yeah. So so yeah. that's my hang up on this is like in terms of how he defined kissing the homies goodnight. I feel like the concept itself is like the kissing is coming from a place of like you know affection, genuine like affection and concern. Yeah. You know. And yeah, that's the thing with with Toga. I just don't know. I think maybe like yeah, I, I kind of have to say no on that one. 
I think so in the true spirit of like what kissing the homies goodnight means, I don't think Akio or Toga does it, but I think Akio and Toga like do the action of kissing the homies goodnight in a manipulative way. Yes. And Akio is like really, really creepily badly doing it. And Toga is also like emulating Akio, but towards the end is beginning to like reconsider like, should I actually be genuinely kissing my homies goodnight and like reevaluating who I'm like considering homies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole, there's, there's the whole arc of like, <coughs> should I kiss Sanji goodnight? I think, I think maybe I should. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, Judy. Uh, Judy, um, would like to kiss the homies goodnight. Would like to tuck the homies in. Um, is, is is trepidatious about it. Is scared too. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. I think when push comes to shove, uh, Judy does. Um, yeah. You, you know. Um, but she kind of like. She she puts up like a fight about it. You know. She puts yeah, up a show uh-huh. of like you know being like. Oh, like put off by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, she would be the type to be like, no, it's weak to kiss the homies goodnight. Um, but then like when Bush came to the shove, arc is, yeah. she, she would kiss Miki goodnight, you know? Yeah. Um, Not on me. Mm, I don't know here. Yeah, I don't this know. sounds hard. By the end, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, By the end, she is at the very least tucking the homies in. I don't know yeah. if she's ready to like. There is a physicality to kissing the homies goodnight that I don't know that she like is ready for. By the end of the series, but she's definitely into tucking the homies goodnight. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um. Sayonji. Yeah, Sayonji. Sayonji doesn't make it. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I think he. No. I think he wants to. To. I think he wants to. I think in some ways, Sionji like shows more of like the desire to, um, in the way of like that desire is clearly like repressed, um, but it seems to be like emerging uh, a little bit more strongly in Sionji than in Toga at, at times yeah. for me. I think at the very end of the series, Sayonji is like, I really hope that, like, Toga will kiss me goodnight. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be waiting. I'm not going to initiate. Because it's important to me that Toga be the one who kisses me goodnight. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sayonji is, like, you know, is going to, like, put himself in a position where, like, you know, Toga could kiss him goodnight. He's going to yeah. like arrange the situation and then be like hoping and waiting for Togo to like go the final 10%. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, Togo doesn't. Yeah. But maybe they'll get there, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe one day. Uh, um, Miki. Yeah. Miki. I, I would say yes. I'd say. Yeah. 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 Um, it has a crisis any... about it one time. 
Like, has yeah, a crisis about it, but does it. Never really has a crisis about talking the homies in, but does about kissing the homies. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, do we want to hit some Black Rose Saga arc people? Uh, uh, also, we should do Wakaba and Tsubuki. Uh, Wakaba, yes and yes, uh, Subuki, yeah. uh, Subuki, uh... Too trepidatious to kiss the homies goodnight, yes. but does tuck the homies in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thinks it's sure. a big brotherly thing to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Subuki just has a lot of affection to give. You yeah. Know? Um, not quite But it's very trepidatious yet. about kissing, yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, there's an entire episode about Tsubuki wanting to be someone who can kiss the homies goodnight. <laughs> and watching <laughs> watching movies where people kiss the homies goodnight. Uh, trying to think about what that would be like. Um, but yeah, do we want to hit Black Rose Saga arc people? I feel like at the very least we should do Shiori. Oh, Shiori... Um... Shiori uh, only kisses the homies goodnight if she thinks it's socially advantageous to her. Yeah. She only, yeah, I think she only does it if it's gonna, like, if it's gonna hurt Jury. If she yeah. has an angle to it. She wants to be seen by Jury doing it. So yeah. it's not a true, like, kissing homies goodnight. It's, yeah, it's Shiori never kisses Jury goodnight, but if Jury is around, we'll kiss all the other homies but Jury. Yeah. Just yeah. to like torment her, for yeah. sure. Um, and then I think I feel like Soji and uh, Mamiya and uh, that's it, it's it's Mamiya, right? Yeah, in Black Mamiya. Saga, Mamiya. Um, I, I think no. I mean, who knows? Mamiya is like a figment of Soji's imagination or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think Soji is a no. Um, yeah. But yeah. kisses Mamiya, but. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I feel like the rest of these characters are... Maybe we could do Kozue. I feel like Ruka and mm. Kanai are like too flash in the pan to, to really... Also like Keiko. I uh, think I Kozue think... kisses and tucks the homies in. Really? Yeah. That's... I mean, I, I would be interested to hear more. Of, of your reasoning there. Um, I think that Kozue... Um, I think Kozue tucks the homies in and kisses the homies goodnight. Um, maybe as a way of affirming to herself, like, a sense of possessiveness. You know? Mm. I, don't, I don't know that, like, this is well-intentioned kissing and tucking. Yeah, um, she, she tucks people in in the, like, in the misery sense. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have you trapped here <laughs> in this bed. Um, yeah, I um, I mean, I, I think... Uh, I don't know if Kazooie ever gets, like, past that violence um, mm-hmm. of, like, her, you know, her complexes. There are some signs that she kind of does um, in the main series. Um, that I, I don't know if I don't know or recall those being like affirmed enough to change my read of her. Um, and then of course, like in the film, 
I, I and the Kazue in Adolescence of Utena, I don't think does. Yeah. I think in the show, it's maybe the talking that she's starting to think about and not the kissing. She's still doing the, the kissing in this like kind of possessive way. Yeah. But she's starting to think about like, no, I actually do just really want to tuck in Miki mm. and like, you know, yeah. Like but again, the, the piano together. Yeah. Um, one other one that we forgot, Choo Choo, definitely both and very sincerely. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, next question. Please, please tell me what the cast of Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant dresses up as for Halloween. And as usual in this scenario, no character is allowed to be too cool to participate. Okay. Um, so I, I've, I've got a few. I'm just going to rattle off a few, if that's okay. Okay, yeah. please. Okay. okay, so so for me, uh, Utena dresses as a pirate with fake beard and everything. Okay. Uh, and like a, like, a, like a scimitar and like the whole, whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, Anthe dresses as a witch just to fuck with people. Yeah. And just to like fuck with everyone, including the viewer of like, well, wait, do you know that you're like, do you know about <laughs> all this like witch stuff? And you're just like being cheeky about it, even though it's like, like something really intense and awful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like that kind of like cheeky irony uh, of of dressing as a witch. Um, I think there's a part though where Utena wearing the full pirate costume is like, no, you should do a couple's costume, and you dress up as a parrot. Um, <laughs> and this and end up, ends up being attention because Anthe is like. No, but Akio wants me to dress up as a witch. Um, uh, and it's like one of the few moments, you know, where despite being the Rose Bride, she's not doing what Utena suggests. Um, for sure. But by the end of the series, is going to definitely do the couple's costume with Utena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I see. Yeah. I, I, I chose witch because I see that as being like the kind of like devious Anthe. <laughs> not devious in like the, you know, in the like stabbing Utena in the back way. Um, yeah, but devious in the like the part of Anthe that is like, oh, are you really just like tormenting Nanami? Right. Um, you know, and her just being like, yeah, I'm going to like wear this witch costume because, you know, as a big lark. Um, Nanami. Um, I no one other correction or one mm. other like th- add on I want to do here is um, this then I think happens again where Anthony's like, I'm going to be a witch and Utana's like, don't worry. I planned for it. I'm going to go as a cauldron. (laughs) 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 I'll just make my couple's costume be with your thing. Excellent. Yeah. 100%. I think, I think we definitely got this. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So Nanami dresses as a mermaid, but everyone is just like, Oh, like what are you? Some kind of fish or something. And it makes her fucking pissed. Um, definitely. Uh, yeah, Akio, of course, he dre- of course it's the devil, but he tries to like get a sexy devil costume, mm. and it's so awful that everyone just at the party just avoids him completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, Toga dresses as Batman. Um, Obviously, yeah. Sayonji okay. also dresses as Batman. <laughs> they sh- they both show up dressed as Batman. They like didn't coordinate in advance, and yeah. they were like fucking furious about it. Uh, yeah, and then by the uh, end of the series, um, 
Sayonchi, when that happens, still gets into a bit of a fight with Yoga about it, but then is kind of thinking, like, I should have just dressed as Robin. That would have been really good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And I I felt like I didn't really have uh, the best for uh, Juri and Miki. For Juri, I I put Firefighter, because I could just see that. Like, the whole Firefighter get up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Miki, for some reason, when I thought of Miki, it made me think back to, like, um, this costume that I wore when I was, a li- like, a little kid. Um, I think it was, like, supposed to be a, uh, like, Sub-Zero Mortal Kombat costume. But really, it was just, like, a ninja costume with, like, blue. It was, like, a blue ninja costume. And that's just what I saw Miki wearing. I don't know why. I was like, yeah, like, Miki would wear something like that. Um, I have another suggestion for Jury, which is that she just dresses up in her, like, full dueling outfit. Um, like the, the, like, fencing one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, it's still a costume. <laughs> <laughs> People yeah. are like, no, you're supposed to do something fun. Like, you don't just wear your, your fencing thing. And she's like, I, it's fun for me. I like this. <laughs> I'm a fencer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, why are you all taking this so seriously? Yeah. I wore a costume. Like, give me a break. Um, Wakaba is definitely trying to figure out what Utena is going as so that she can, like, <laughs> it's like, ha, wouldn't it be fun if we do a couple's costume? And Utena is just kind of oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm currently working on that with, with Anthe. And Wakaba being like, well, you could you could do it with me. Well, no, I'm, like, talking to Anthe about it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, but but Wakaba definitely yeah. figures it out and then just, like, shows up as a pirate, even though, like, Utena has already, like, switched what her costume's going to be. Yeah, to the cauldron. Yeah, to coordinate with Anthe. And then Wakaba shows up as a pirate and it's just like, aww. <laughs> um, Tsubuki goes as Toga. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Subuki wears like a fake mustache. Um, yeah, uh, and, or and or just goes as Toga. Uh, yeah. Let's see, who, who else are we missing here? Um, Choo Choo goes as Sionji. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely and everyone's mockingly. just like, isn't that kind of fucked up? And Anthony's just like, what are you talking about? Um, I think it's great. Um, we want to do Soji. Uh, I don't know if I have a good one for Soji. Um, I think that's, I don't know. I think those are all my ideas. I think Soji, uh, doesn't like change his hair or anything, but goes as Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he um, just wears glasses. Well, and he has like, it's like the trench coat style look mm, um, yeah yeah because he definitely thinks that he's the one mm. yeah, uh definitely yeah i think i think it's about it of people that i i guess we didn't do shiori i feel like we should do shiori i'm yeah. so bad at coming up with uh halloween costumes i gotta be real yeah. with you whatever shiori does it's definitely like very slutty it's like that style, <laughs> just like really like showing some skin. Nurse, um, yeah, 
Yeah, nurse. Yeah, maid. Uh, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um. Sexy police officer. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, you know what? I think that's the one. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Shuri goes as the firefighter, and then Shiori is sexy police officer. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, next, please describe the following program: Revolutionary Girl Putana. Okay. I so I had. Um, I, I I am out for this. I don't know what the yeah. fuck Crow High is. So. <laughs> Okay, we need so, to start watching Karate High School Autumn. Yeah, so okay, I'm gonna go. We're, we're just, I, I just want to try something. So, I'm gonna say something, and then you tell me what the next scene is. And then okay. I'll say another thing, and then you say one more thing, and then I think we'll have built out the the program. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Puton arrives at high school uh, one morning um, he goes to his first class only to discover that the class is filled entirely with other Putons. Uh, we see a close-up as Puton yells with shock, um, followed by a quick cut to him sitting down calmly at his seat, uh, expressing his surprise at being the last one to arrive. He hates being last. Um, so he was just yelling because he was the last one in the classroom, not because there's all other Putons. Yeah. Um, so that's the first scene. Um, the other scene I have is later, uh, Putan arrives to a potato garden where Anpu Himetanya is pouring salt all over the potato plants. Uh, to that, after seeing this, he says, why are you doing that, Pu? Uh, and, and she replies, seasoning. Um, I think the scene that happens in between is, uh, so we get the whole scene with the, the classroom and stuff. Um, but then instead of seeing any of the class, it just cuts to after school. Um, <laughs> and Putan is sitting outside and is folding origami. Um, and his friend runs up and says, Putan, Putan, haven't you heard there's dueling happening at the dueling arena? Um, and Putan just continues to fold the origami. Uh, and Putan's friend continues and explains the, in- the entire, like, episode of a, an episode of Utena, um, but like in weird convoluted ways. Um, and at the end, Putan says, um, don't you know, you're supposed to fold 1000 paper cranes and wish on them. Um, and then it cuts to the episode with the, the salt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, and then, for the, the final episode here, or the final scene in this episode of Revolutionary Girl Putana, um, I it's the moment where it's everyone's favorite part of Revolutionary Girl Putana, where uh, they just take off the costumes, um, and they're just sitting there, uh, relaxing, and they just read uh, hate mail that was sent to Ikuni. Mm, yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then the final scene is just, uh, like, it just cuts, like, it's total non-sequitur cut, and it's just Puton polishing, like, a sports car. Yeah. Um, and then he just, like, flips over the hood, like, in that weird animation that Akio does in the, um, in the, in the adolescence of Lieutenant film. 
Um, and then instead of like getting in the car, he just like walks off screen. Yeah. Um. Final question. Jury is a successful bowler on the side, something nobody seems to know about her, and we don't learn until late in the series. What hobbies are other people doing just off screen? Um, what's Utena doing off screen? What is? Hmm. I I I said fantasy football. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I can. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um. She definitely doesn't watch any of the games. She just plays fantasy football. Yeah. And she, well, she, like, doesn't watch the games, but she, like, does, like, fantasy cast while the games are playing. So she just, like, sees the points changing, and then she, like, yells at her computer when, like, <laughs> yeah. when when good things happen or bad things happen. Toga, on the flip side, watches football, does not play fantasy. Mm. Yeah. I put I I had Toga like being like I had Toga as DJing just cuz like he's totally that guy yeah. who like is like oh yeah I'm going to be like a super cool DJ guy but he just sucks you know <laughs> He's up there like DJing and thinking that he's like awesome with his shirt unbuttoned um and everyone's just like no yeah, it's just like a very cringe like D- DJ <laughs> sets that Toga that Toga does. Um, we do learn in the series that Anthony knits as a hobby. That yeah, does, that one that does come up. That one's easy. Yeah, she also watches. Uh, in the same episode, we learn that she also watches late night, um, like TV shop channels. I am totally drawing a blank on what those are called right now, but. Oh yeah, so am I. If you if QVC. you hadn't, yeah. If you hadn't forgotten it, like when you forgot it, like I forgot it instantly. If you had yeah. just asked me what what it was, I would have been able to say. But <laughs> somehow my brain was infomercials. Info. Like, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, um, I put so there's one that's like there's one that's funny. I had one idea that's funny and one idea that's like yeah, she totally does this. Um. So the one that she totally actually does, like IRL, is like, uh, like mycology. Like she goes into the woods and like, like looks at yeah. mushrooms and shit. Yeah. Mm. Um, the other one is like ASMR streaming. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Yeah, for sure. Um. I totally had one for Nanami, and then it just, like, slipped through my fingers as you were talking about um, ASMR streaming. <laughs> really just, distracted me. Yeah, the, the image of Anthony doing an ASMR channel was distracting to you. Yeah. Um, let's see. Nanami spends a lot of time on Instagram replying to posts about like, if you reply <laughs> to this post, you'll be entered into a contest to win blah, blah, blah. None of me spends a lot of time trying to win contests by mm. like following yeah. brand accounts. Um, this was the thing that I thought of, which is that, uh, none of me is like 
one of her hobbies is she is actively trying to become the main character of Twitter. <laughs> She's like trying to figure out how do I become the main character of Twitter? Because um, <laughs> she just sees like today everyone's talking about this person and doesn't like think about you know how that could be bad. It's just like mm-hmm. no, I want that level of attention. Um, yeah, for me, I just I I imagine Nanami as a person who's like still trying to find like the hobby that she really like enjoys and so right now she's just like really big into trends um so right now she's been doing a lot of resin art <laughs> um Sionji definitely plays video games but is like kind of a shit about like it has to be a game that's like really about skill mm-hmm. you know yeah he loves dark souls <laughs> games yeah <laughs> they're like his favorite series he's like yeah they're they're so tough and the fact that i can beat them toga has never even played a dark souls so like you know i've got him beat there <laughs> um definitely like cares about his kd ratio in like call of duty that's sionji yeah. yeah and he no yells doubt. at people in voice chat yeah sionji way into league of legends <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's like he's like, like extremely overbearing and like yeah. runs a clan and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like like God damn it, you're just you're killing us here. Your yeah. KDR is, is is nothing right now. Uh, toxic Mickey team runs, member. <laughs> you're Mickey supposed to run, tank. <laughs> uh, Miki runs a clamp web ring. <laughs> <laughs> um. I put Sionji to stand-up comedy, but he, like, bombs every set, and then when he, like, uh, when his jokes, like, don't land, when people don't, like, laugh at them, he just, he gets really angry and just starts yelling. Yeah, but then people laugh at that because they think that's the bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Akio is one of those people who just, like, keeps dead butterflies in a folder. (laughs) <laughs> Akio restores classic cars yeah I mean uh, that's like Soji definitely keeps dead butterflies in... so- yes <laughs> uh, let's see Wakaba um, ma- Wakaba makes really nice photo albums of things Wakaba like um, likes to have like physical like memories of times she spent with her friends in addition to just like you know she she scrapbooks that's the word I'm looking for she scrapbooks yeah. mm, that's a good one yeah yeah and she definitely gives them to people but also she just has ones that she makes for herself mm-hmm. um Tsuabuki Tsuabuki <laughs> um <laughs> Suabaki on a on a similar note makes shrines in his closet to people. Yeah. He's also like um, he's really trying to learn about bodybuilding, but he can't. Yeah. He he like yeah. no one will let him into a gym yet cuz he's too young. Um he does on uh Saturdays volunteer at an animal shelter, but mostly because he likes to pretend that he's the big brother of all the animals. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kozue. 
Kozue takes up knitting when she hears that Anthony knits. Yeah. Um. Also skydiving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um. And Shiori's main hobby is she likes to make uh, ghost accounts and harass friends mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Yeah. Sending people anonymous Tumblr asks. Yeah. Uh, is really mad that she can't send people th- like mean things on Curious Cat anymore. Yeah. Um, watches Mean Girls like once a week. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I can't think of any other characters. Yeah, I think, I think got, we got them all. Choo choo. Do we have Do we have a hobby for choo choo? Getting into mischief. Just what he's well, doing we, on the we show. See, yeah, we see <laughs> that on screen. Like the thing with choo choo is it's just like no. I feel like we see what choo choo does, which is get into mischief and eat a lot of food and sleep. Yeah, um, it's clean yeah, living. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah, um, I, I think you know. I think that's what your ten is about. Ultimately, it's not any of the <laughs> shit that we said before. It's just like you know, we should all be more like Choo Choo. Yeah, just take care of yourself. You know, make sure you eat enough food. Make sure you get enough sleep. Um, you know, have you know, just have a have a generally like playful, good good natured, slightly mischievous attitude on life. You know. Yeah, moisturize. Lay eggs in people's beds. Mm, yeah. Um, I guess that's it. Do we have any other bullshit to talk about, or is this a short episode of Ghost Divers? This may it's be two shortest. hours. I despite I, I dispute the claim. This is a short episode. A short episode of Ghost Divers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this might actually be the shortest Ghost Divers episode of all time. I mean, aside from intro to you, because we just record those before. True. True. Yeah. Um, the shortest non-intro episode. We got it. We got it. You know. Let me have a milestone here. Yeah. We got to <laughs> We got to just let ourselves have some milestones. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I think. Uh, I think I'm good. Um, we had some great questions. Uh, yeah. Thanks, we, everybody. We, we did a lot of good bullshit. Um, and yeah, uh, hopefully people continue to write in with lieutenant questions, um, because I'll I'll be very happy to continue answering lieutenant questions um, indefinitely into the future. Yeah, uh, I feel like of series that like we have finished and moved on to recording other things for the podcast. Lieutenant uh, is the one that I like continue to think about the most. I mean. This is also true of Ray Earth, but in just like a different way, and in, in that like I'm just always like, those are my girls. Whenever <laughs> I think about Ray Earth in any way, and I make my avatars on lots of accounts Ray Earth characters, so I just think about Ray Earth all the time. But in like a different way than I think about Utena, mm-hmm. you know. Um. So ne- next time we will talk about. It'll be the intro to our deep dive into Ghost in the Shell, which, uh, just a little preview for people, we're going to watch the uh, 1995 movie. I think it's 95, right? Um, Yes. Then Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence, um, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, 
and Solid State Society. Yeah. Deep what is Solid dive? State Society? Deep- I know I know what second gig is. I don't what's Solid State Society? So Solid State Society is the like movie I don't know if it ever made it to theaters or if it was just like a OVA movie thing. Um, but that, that came out after second gig, but it's like Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, solid state society. Ah, um, does, does standalone complex have any movie associated with it in that way or? Well, uh, like, so, so yeah, solid state society is like the standalone complex movie. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying it was associated with like second gig. And Ghost um, in the Shell too, in a sense, okay, it's, kind, okay. it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a standalone complex movie in some ways. Yeah. It it's meant to be like a sequel to the original movie, but was being made and coming out like while Standalone Complex and Standalone Complex Second Gig were mm-hmm. airing. Um, okay, and so and like it's definitely closer to it, but it is Oshi again, so it is like him following up his his you know original movie. Okay, um, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so I was as I was gonna say, our alternative name uh, for for this module of Ghost Divers is uh, our deep ghost dive into Ghost in the Shell with our ghosts, uh, where we dive deeply into Ghost in the Shell, um, you know, and do some ghost diving on the side. Also, at at some, we're not doing it with this deep dive, but I feel like at some point we're just gonna have to do SAC twenty forty five, even though it's bad. Mm. We're gonna like have to figure out some way to address it. Um, Maybe we'll do it in the uh, question bucket, where we the the relegation place for all of the damned, uh, you know, uh, additional like media in the franchise that that we don't like. Yeah, it does feel like how, uh, you know, I relegated the Ray Earth OVA to... You, do, you mean just Ray Earth? No. Well, isn't it just... <laughs> it, doesn't, isn't it doesn't deserve that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just named Ray Earth, which is so badass, right? Yeah. If you have questions for future question buckets, you can write into ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. I know I said it earlier, but I'm saying it again at the end. Um... Thank you to the X4 Audio Network. Thanks, Autumn, for hosting us. That's uh, me. Yeah. Do you want to do the spiel? Xboardaud.io, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can... Uh, I'll just do all my plugs, which kind of like yeah. contain within that. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find all the podcasts that I do at exportaud.io. That takes you to the Patreon page where we have like links to all the free feeds of podcasts. Or if you would like, you can give us a dollar a month. You get early access um, to most of the shows that we do. Not everything, but most of them. Uh, you get Ornate Stairwells. You get Bag End Book Club. You get Gotham City Limits. You get Ars Arcanum. You get Hot Singles. I think that's it. Um, that's a lot uh, for just a dollar. And then for $5, you can uh, get access to Pop Town Funk, a podcast my wife and I do where we roll random Funko Pops and have to watch the media associated with them. On our next episode, we will be reading an anthology of Overwatch comics um, and possibly installing Overwatch and playing it for 20 minutes before remembering that neither of us like playing Overwatch. 
Yeah. So there was a time when I liked Overwatch, and then it, they just made that game not for me anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, played a good amount of Overwatch at launch, uh, probably like about a hundred hours, um, and they just catered more and more to an audience that uh, wanted to like play competitively and call me slurs uh, online and do nothing when I reported being called slurs. So I kind of stopped playing that game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, you know, seems like it's really working out for them. So Yeah, they're making money yeah. hand over fist. What do they care? Yeah. I mean, Activision Blizzard's doing, they're, they're, <laughs> they're doing great right now. <laughs> So I'm sure I'm sure they're happy that you know they went in that yeah. direction. Um, did you hear that there are gay people on that game? You know what I did. <laughs> um, most of it's relegated to ancillary content and primarily made by Tumblr lesbians, but <laughs> <laughs> they did confirm some of it in some comics. So. Yeah. Yeah, so diversity I think some win. of the comics we we are gonna read <laughs> will be about how actually secretly there are gay people in here. Yeah. So. Um. Also, you mentioned ornate stairwells, but I'm just gonna specifically plug it because it's the one that I'm on. People should go listen to it. That's yeah, uh, all right. Yeah. If you if you go <laughs> listen to the last episode that came out uh, in the the Patreon feed, I guess it's the next one that will come out when people are listening to this uh, in the public feed. Um, but the, the one that we did that is ostensibly on, she's got to have it. God. Uh, that episode is longer than this one. So that's going to be fun that, for me editing both of these. That <laughs> the episode, cry of English was the, just... that episode made me wonder, should we like change the format of stairwells to never produce a three and a half hour episode again? Um, yeah. I don't know that I'm going to do it, but I had the thought. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think sometimes we could just be briefer with, you know, here's some other <coughs> movies that we talked about. I don't want to talk a bunch about this one. Here's just the rating of the stairwell. Um, anyway, you can follow the podcast at ghost divers pod. You can follow me at Fox Omnia. Um, where can people follow you, Connor? Uh, y'all can follow me at Rebelais, R-A-B-B-L-E-A-I-S. And uh, I killed Garfred aloud, which is going to be funny because there's going to be multiple episodes where I promo it coming up because oh, I recorded God. it earlier. Um, but Garfred aloud, I mean, you can still follow that Twitter account, but I'm I'm just not posting on it anymore. Um, I explained this on some episode of Ornate Stairwells, but I looked on my main Twitter and saw that there was one person who was following me with uh, an NFT icon. Um, cause Twitter lets you have NFT icons now and they like differentiate them by making them hexagons. Um, and it was somebody who for sure was just following me for the Garfield content from Garfred aloud. And I was like, if this account is getting, getting me that kind of follower, <laughs> I just don't want to do this anymore. Uh, that's what happened there. Jimmy Kimball's um, going to be really bummed out. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're listening to this podcast, you might want to go follow my media pile account, which is, uh, M-E-D-I-A-M-H, so it, it's like my name, underscore pile, P-I-L-E. Um, that is an account where 
I was doing on like locked Twitter a lot of like, oh, here's just like something I'm watching. Let me tweet screenshots of it. And I, I figured I could just put that on like an account where people can opt into it and it's a little bit more public. So um, that's what that account is. Um, and if you want to share this podcast with people, you can give them xwareodd.io slash ghost divers and it'll get them to the RSS link unless they use Firefox, I guess. Yeah. Is that still broken? Far as I know. Yeah. I mean, it gets you to the RSS feed just as a file for some weird reason, but... Yeah, yeah that's weird. Y'all should yeah. switch to Microsoft Edge. <laughs> so you don't have that problem. Duly noted. Uh, <laughs> bye, everyone. Bye. See you next time. Thanks for stopping. Bye. Shut the fuck up.
Any more jokes? Do a timed ideas clap. Yes. Timed ideas. All clap. right. Dude, I'm so sleepy. Yeah, I can't believe that we went three and a half hours on Orient Stairwells, and you know we started at like nine, the earliest we've ever done it. Um, and yeah. now we've recorded a Ghost Divers episode, and it's not even midnight yet. It's not even eleven yet here I'm in sleepy. Chicago. I'm gonna go to sleep. Yeah, it's I'm probably the, gonna go to bed too. It's the Ghost Divers virus. It's a it's a standalone complex. <laughs> it's just it's emerging spontaneously. I um, need someone to put um, standalone complex on some streaming service so I can watch it easy because I do want to watch it. I I have the. I have the DVDs for the original series and then the Blu-rays for second gig. Mm. To... So there you go. <laughs> Adult I mean, if you have anything Swim? that can play a Blu-ray. Adult Swim has yeah. standalone complex. Yeah, I saw that at some point. I could download it. I don't know how and... you do that. I could download it and put it on my Plex server. Like it's not like a big deal. I just uh... I'm just like living a life right now where I am browsing streaming services and just hitting play on random stuff, and I want to be able to do that with uh, second ga- or with standalone well, complex. I can give you the DVDs for standalone complex if you want to watch it that way. Um, since it is uh, like DigiPaint show, it actually upscales pretty well. Um, the like okay. TV understands how to upscale that style fairly well i'm not gonna say it's like perfect but um i watched it on my tv and was like this looks pretty good honestly okay um for like something that was originally made for dvd quality um okay time that is so time that is is clap all right let's clap at 16 this is such a long wait just to make, I want to make sure everyone's ready. You know, we've had problems with that in the past. Are we, are we all good on that, on that clap? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. Well, um, yeah, I know you all want to get some sleep. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to hit stop recording. I'm yes. going to hit stop recording. I'm going to go the fuck to bed. I've hit record. Um, yeah, I have also hit record. Um, so we were talking about a uh, friend of the pod, JC, John Charles Holmes, um, who is going to be joining us for Bacano, um, made and brought to me some sea salt ice cream. I was telling you this as I was eating it before we hit record. Um, and you made a joke about what was it? Did you just ask if it was blue or something? Sorry, I was muting my mic, and then for some reason, I pressed the unmute button three times, and it didn't unmute. Yeah, I'm on. I'm yeah. on air right now, Nora. What? Yeah, I'm recording now. Um, no, you're good. Um. <laughs> anyway, hi everybody. You're you're listening to the post credits section. You 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 know the deal. Anyway, um. Yeah, I asked you if it was blue and on a stick because that's how the sea salt ice cream in Kingdom Hearts is. Yeah, and then I said, well, it's not on a stick, but it is blue. 
And then was like, okay, so when JC gave it to me, he said, here's a sea salt ice cream. It's the Kingdom Hearts sea salt ice cream. Yeah. Um, And so I, I figured I would tell you that because that was likely what you were referencing. Yeah. Since I know that you like Kingdom Hearts. I've never played a single Kingdom Hearts game. Ghost Divers um, Kingdom Hearts season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like what play like a certain number of hours for every two weeks. Yeah. Um Yeah. I could I could do like I could do like ten hours per episode. That's a lot, but it's I could a do lot it. Of Kingdom Hearts. That's a lot. I and it would I'd probably feel better with five because that's like more what I aim for. And there are so many Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah. Um anyway. The thing that's that's I'm looking at this picture now, and uh, JC nailed the color. It's the exact same blue. The thing that's interesting is I don't know how you would make like this sea salt ice cream on a stick. Hey, Connor, you might you might want to hit record because we're recording already. Um, <laughs> Hi, I don't know how I don't know how you would make. Uh, this ice cream on a stick because it has sea salt in it. And I don't know if you know what salt does. Yeah. But it lowers the melting temperature of stuff. Oh, which means that that must be extremely cold to not be melting off the stick. For a second. I thought you were going to say, I don't know if you know what salt is, but (laughs) what it, what it is, is it's a special ingredient that can be involved in making ice cream. Anyway, uh, I think you missed the part, Connor, where... Did you hit record, by the way? Yeah, I did. Mm. Uh, you missed the part where JC brought me some Kingdom Hearts sea salt ice cream. Oh, um, wow. That's awesome. So, I was eating that immediately before we, we hit record. I was talking to, to Autumn about it, and then we were like, we should just be recording this. This <laughs> is just post-credit stuff. That's exactly the type of awesome, nice, cool thing that JC would do. Yeah. Snack check. Um, Connor, what were you eating before the podcast? Um, I, I had some pizza earlier, but yeah. uh, no no notable snacks yet. Okay. That's fair. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. See what happens uh, when we take our, our mid-pod break. Yeah. Autumn, what were you eating? Um, Nora made dinner. I was eating that. It was very good. She makes tacos. Um, nice. Uh and then I keep mint Oreos in the freezer, and so I, I had one of those before I hopped on the call. Now, are those the yeah, when I'm like the chocolate covered mint Oreos, or just like the no, normal? just okay. Oreo cookies with mint filling. Okay, you just you just give up the game. If I come over to your apartment, I can just steal your mint Oreos now. You know why I started eating mint Oreos is because <laughs> my dad would always eat my Oreos, and so I got Oreos that he didn't like. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, also, then I won't they're steal your mint Oreo. They're healthier because it's mint, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a vegetable. It's got, it's got herbs in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy Reagan <Yeah>. voice. <laughs> um. So anyway, Connor, have you ever played Kingdom Hearts? No, I haven't. Okay, I know a little bit. Uh, about neither it, have I. So um, I know it, I I know it involves do... darkness. Yeah, I think we're going to do a, a Kingdom Hearts season of Ghost Divers where we're going to play like five hours for every episode. Okay. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Does that sound good? Yeah, perfect. 
Um, um, I'm not promising this, listeners. This is just a joke. <laughs> yeah, this well, is just jokey jokes time. Now that you've you played out into the universe, so only God now knows you what have to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to, I'm on board. You know. Let me let me just do how long to beat. Um. Kingdom Hearts. I just typed in how long to be and not Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. but Google knows that I just searched Kingdom Hearts sea salt ice cream, and so said, did you mean how long to be Kingdom Hearts? And I said, yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> just, Google is just sitting there being like, expecting people to be like, oh man, this this ice cream is really good. I should play Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. So This, this, this game says, must be really good if the ice cream is good. Main story is about 28, 29 hours. But it says all play styles averages out to about 40. Which I feel like I would be more on that that level. Like, I would want to do, like, side quests and stuff. Sure. Um, also, I'm the kind of person that... This will vary depending on, like, how rewarding it is early on. But when I first start, like, a role-playing game... Um, in those like initial villages, I'm just gonna run around and like talk to a bunch of people because I just find that stuff charming. The thing oh, is yeah. that it's the PS2, um, and so it has to be in full 3D, and that means that the um, there are way fewer people in towns and villages and stuff. Yeah, there's only like one major town that you just circle back to, at least in the first game, and I think throughout all of them, there's only like one town, and it's got like six people there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've uh, I've had a complex about like talking to every single NPC in uh, every starting area ever since the town map in Pokemon. Mm. I, I was just like, oh yeah. god! Like, if I didn't have this, who knows what might what might have happened? <laughs> yeah, I um when I was very young, I didn't want to talk to people in towns. Um, which made it very hard to learn how to play games because the people in towns would tell you important things like use a potion to get your health back and stuff. But I was like six, so yeah. I was just like, I don't want to talk to people. Yeah. Um, one of the like most important to me, if people play Chrono Cross you should talk to everybody in the first town and then talk to everybody when you go and visit in the, the alternate world. Cause that's just like very thematically important for what that game is to just like have the experience of like, Oh, here's this whole town that I know. Mm-hmm. And then the plot continues. Wait, and you're like, well, fuck. Wait, what's Chrono Cross? <laughs> Don't worry. We're going to play it sometime for the podcast. So, <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to have some sort of structuring principle, to like force me to complete an RPG for once, um, <laughs> because I'm so bad at it. Uh, I still haven't finished Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. It's a good video game. It, it is a good game, but uh, I haven't finished it yet. Um, and I started it. You're like, too busy putting like 500 hours into a strategy game. Crusader Kings three, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know you. I know who you are. <laughs> um, yeah, that among other things. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm always, I'm always going back to the that paradox black hole. Um, yeah, like 
if you just give me a game that has like a completely static map and some like <laughs> 10 extremely arcane like systems all rolled into one um i just i can't quit it i don't know the only game like that that i got like moderately into was uh stellaris but i never like finished a, a run mm. um i still haven't played so. stellaris even though like I bought it when it came out because it's like <laughs> I'm it's not like, doing oh. much better. I bought it when it came out and played four hours of it. Yeah, so I'm I'm still last amongst all of us here, which is weird because I'm like again obsessed the with paradox brain one. Yeah, I'm obsessed with paradox games, but um, I just like fixate so hard on um on like one or two at a time. And yeah. never refast it. The one of these Didn't I actually got into was um, Civilization Five, which is like a pretty different thing because it's like mm. very shallow compared to the Paradox stuff. And at some point, it just kind of becomes a clicker. I feel like where you're just like every turn, you're like, "Well, I'll build the next building, and then I'll build a building after that," and you just don't really think about it much. Yeah, I like Civ though. Um, yeah. I had fun with it. Um, I listened to many audiobooks and podcasts while playing Civ Five. So, um, I think for me it was like I think Civ is the first like grand strategy game I ever played, and I played it on my Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. There was like a version of Civ. I think it was Civ Four <laughs> for Xbox 360 that is like widely panned. But I didn't know that at the time. And so I like <laughs> I played it and I was like, this is fucking amazing. Um and then I think I've told I've definitely told Neve this story before, but um I don't think I've done it like on a question bucket. Um yeah. so then I was like hanging out with one of my friends one time and he uh he was playing Victoria, Victoria 2, and I was like Oh my fucking god! This is the best game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, so I immediately like, went home. Um, this is like why I got Steam. Uh, signed up for Steam, like uh, you know, downloaded it, blah blah. blah. Uh, and then, so the, my PC at the time was just like this really shitty hand-me-down PC, um, and it wasn't like good enough to run Victoria Two. Uh, so. I went to the Steam store and I, like, I didn't know that initially, but I went to the Steam store and bought, like, a combo pack that had Victoria 2 and then Victoria Revolutions, which is, like, the prior game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried running Victoria 2 and it was like, yeah, no, your PC sucks. You can't, like, you can't. <coughs> um, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll play Victoria Revolutions, um, which is, like, the thing with Paradox games is, like, they get more streamlined as they go generally like in the as the iterations go on um so victoria revolutions is just like this ridiculous beast of a game and like 15 year old me just got this game and i think at some point i had like this isn't like a fair count because i would just leave it up a lot when i wasn't actually like playing it but at some point i had like 700 hours on the game or something um in steam it was it was absolutely ridiculous uh so yeah anyway that's like the formative experience that just like 
embedded somewhere in my brain, and now I just can't get off of Paradox Games. <laughs> um, do do we want to do a clap? Let's clap. Okay. Closing. Um, t- closing. How long to beat? Opening time. That is. Let's see. Um, gosh, it's a really tough decision. When are we going to cry? <laughs> um, maybe like 14? Okay. 14. Yeah, 14. Okay. That clap was so good, I didn't even hear, like... Like, I, I, I heard yours, but it was... It was just so simultaneous with mine that it all blended into one sound. I yeah. uh, wasn't looking at the clock and looked back to it at the very last possible second. So, <laughs> uh, I think it worked out fine. Okay, we can do another one. Nah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm on a high from how good that last clap was. So we, I'm cool with doing another. If you <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Okay. Great. So, (laughs) you all want a podcast? Podcast. Uh, I might take a bathroom break real quick. Yeah, sure. I'll get one more. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. I'm back. Did I beat everyone back? I seem to have. I can't believe I beat everyone back. Oh wow! By so I think much. That might be the... What? I think that might be the first time that's happened. That I've just like fully beaten everyone back. By a significant margin. Yeah. Um, I don't have to go to the bathroom that much, but I figured it was worth trying before we get into what's probably going to be the bulk of this episode, which is just joke stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard to uh, to tear ourselves away from the from the list, the listicles. That we're about to do. Yeah. Um, I'm back. Hi, back. I'm Milf. I'm here. <laughs> any any goofs before we get into the this email? Nah, no goofs. Okay. <laughs> 